the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about self-acceptance and discovery. I'm your host, Emily. This week on the show is Van Ethan Levy, a non-binary autistic marriage and family therapist and professional clinical counselor. Everybody, welcome to the show. Van Le- Levy. <laughs> I don't know why so it's, it's a struggle for me to say that right, but um, welcome to the show, Van. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's okay. I often tell people it's like leave me, like Levy. Mm-hmm. Like, I my my brain, you I made sure to ask you to make sure I got it right, and my brain just keeps wanting to to hit the Y with a hard I. It's starting with your story, Van. How did you choose your name? Uh, so my first name, I actually didn't really get a choice in it. Um, it was kind of like my parents communicated what would be easiest for them. So I'm actually not a big fan of it, but because it's been used for so long in my life, but the the name Ethan, I just really, really liked it. So that's my middle name, which is why most often um, I I ask for people to, if they're going to write it out, that it's Van Ethan Levy, just because um, I don't like just seeing the two parts that are so tied to what was, what was kind of given almost forced versus like what is my own to own but if somebody were to call me ethan i don't think i would respond i would be like is there somebody here named ethan anywhere uh they're calling you (laughs) so getting into the story itself when did you first realize that you were um that you were non-binary um and actually let me let me ask you this question before we get into that i usually say when did you first realize you were trans do you identify yourself as being part of the greater trans umbrella or does non-binary um require some different uh, sensitivities there so my identity is both trans and non-binary and every identity trans and or non-binary and or another nonsense identity is so unique to the individual so for me my trans identity comes with that the world assigned me as female that i have uh, had surgeries that i've had uh, that I take hormones, that doesn't mean that because other people do that, that that automatically defaults them to being trans, right? Like there's, there's cis people who have surgery who take hormones, but that's my connection to my trans identity in terms of experiencing the world being read as uh, in different ways. And my non-binary identity for me is being who I am and not having to be tied to the societal constructs at the end of the day. I think all of us are non-binary. And what I mean by that is that there really is no such thing as masculinity and there is no such thing as femininity. It's all dictated by the society we live in, right? Like a skirt here is known as women's clothing, but you go to Scotland and that's men's clothing. So I think your question was, um, I actually lost your question. I apologize. Could you ask me again? Uh, well, yeah, the, the problem is I threw a second one in there on you. So um, the, the one to get to now is when did you first realize you were trans and non-binary? When did, when did that realization first hit for you? So there's a lot of different layers to that question. So I've known since I was maybe a baby that who the world was addressing me as was not the fit for me. Um, My parents told me that even as a baby, I would literally rip the bows out of my hair, including ripping my own hair out just to get them off of me. And there's not a lot of, uh, of, of understanding at that age. It's just, I don't like this. This is not, this is not for me, whether it was about having something in my hair or if it was about that they were actually bows. Um, as I grew older, um, I always wondered like, when is my penis coming communicating that like, I'm not a woman or I'm not a girl. Um, and that was again, at very young ages, I didn't have language to knowing that there was anything other than what we're assigned at birth until I was maybe 13 years old. I think it was like a, a Cosmo girl where it was about this person's journey 
who I think it was like from lacy to lace or something like that, where I realized that people can be born um, who they are and the world just not reading them for who they are. And so that's when I started to have some language for it. But even with that language, I was still institutionalized and labeled as, as, as crazy, as mentally ill for being who I am. It wasn't until I was maybe 29, when almost 30, uh, when I learned what it meant for others to be non-binary and how that felt more aligned with who I was. So I've always been non-binary. I just never had the language or awareness or education or exposure to really fully understand who I am. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like, you know, for the next question, what cracked your egg, you wouldn't have a particular cracked egg moment, but what was the catalyst for, um, for coming out and I, and identifying as that fully and embracing that? So I feel like I've always been out just without the language. Okay. Um, like I've always said, I'm not, I'm not a girl or, um, at the time, the only thing that I knew that if you're not a girl and you're a boy, so it was always like, I'm a boy from the moments that I could start verbalizing. Um, I don't feel like there was really ever a point where I had to come out to my family because it was, I've been screaming this since I was a child. It was like a constant out. Okay. Well, I didn't, I don't know what I didn't know about being trans, but I learned what it meant to be bisexual. Then I learned what it meant to be lesbian. Right. So there was those different points of like, well, I like women. So maybe I'm a lesbian. Well, I also like other people. So now I'm bisexual. Um, and not that like your, my sexuality changed. It's the access to language, to understanding of who I was. And it was the same thing with being trans, being non-binary. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like there was another part of your question that I wanted to answer, but I lost it again. Uh, just basically, you know, kind of how you, in, in, in getting to there, how did you learn to accept that and, and bring it out publicly um, in a, in a, in a stronger way, but you, you kind of have said that, you know, you were already exhibiting as much of that as you possibly could. Yeah, I've been fighting it since, uh, I would even say preschool, maybe first grade, second grade of like, no, I'm not going there just because the girls are there. Or I, I deserve to play football. It doesn't like in middle school, like fighting the coaches and they, and they try to defend it of like, oh, we don't have protection for your breasts. And it's like, well, I don't, I don't care. Like if they get hurt or damaged. So I feel like constantly having to advocate and never winning, right? Like always being penalized, kicked out, expelled, um, whatever it might be put into, we didn't have detention, but we had the equivalent of, I don't remember what they called it, constantly being um, placed even to like, again, to the point of being institutionalized from, I think I was 12 until about 17 years old. I spent the entirety of my adolescence institutionalized for being trans and not um, placating to what was told who I am. So it kind of, it was like, there wasn't anything that broke my egg. I came out of broken egg <laughs> and I wasn't yoking around. Love a great pun. Um, so looking back um, from the perspective of, you know, the, the training that you've had as a therapist, do you think that there was anything in particular that gave you the strength to push back so hard against the institution instead of um, succumbing and, and repressing it? So actually it's it's kind of the reverse in the way that because I've been held back in so many ways, I've been kicked out of easily 30 different schools. 
I've been kicked out of colleges, grad school programs, internships constantly, um, all around being trans, non-binary, and autistic, and just the different levels of transphobia and ableism, I was tired of it, and it's not okay, not that it just happened to me, but I'm an outspoken person who knows a lot of the time my legal rights or will fight until I figure what out what they are. I can't imagine what it's like for people who have no idea. And so I don't want that happening to people. I can't stop it, but my goal is to create more accessible ways because I can't change the system. But what I can do is I can make ways for other people in our community to get to where they want to go without having to fight in the same ways that I did, or at least that's my intention and my goal. Um, so I feel like going to grad school really showed me, uh, I mean, this path of becoming a therapist really showed me all the different deficits that exist in the therapy community. So I, I graduated high school at 17 and I basically didn't finish college, I think until 26 and I didn't take any time off. It's a matter of being kicked out of so many schools. Or, sorry, yeah, was it 24, 26 years old? Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't be, like I had mostly straight A's. I was a 4.0 student, it wasn't about academics, it was about getting so much pushback about being who I am. So I got to see all the different areas as to where they're creating more harm. And it still exists. I, I'm enrolling in a community college class to help me with some marketing so I can learn how to do that for my conference. And and the, the problematic questions that they're asking are just horrific. Hmm. Um, and, and we're now 2022. I know now you're in the Southern California area. Um, is that where all of those school problems you had were or were you in a different part of the country? Kind of all over. So Massachusetts, Utah, Oregon, Washington, Colorado, different uh, San Francisco, San Diego, Los Angeles, Orange County. Um, I'm sure elsewhere, that's all that's just kind of coming to mind in this moment. Wow. So you bounced around trying to get an education and it, it took a while for you to find that spot, huh? An education just to exist, to not experience um, violence, whether that's like emotional, physical, sexual, like just literally to exist as a human being in this world. You mentioned with uh, family and uh, sort of alluded to in other areas, there wasn't much of a coming out. Were, were there any areas um, where you did kind of have to come out or was that was sort of what was happening over and over again at in those those various colleges whenever you were brought into a new environment? Um, did you have to explain your identity and, and you know, tell them, you know, like I said, essentially come out again? So I feel like it's less of an explanation versus like, don't call me that name don't use those pronouns mm. and right there's this constant like fight back and i think because it seemed like i had so much confidence around it that they uh, oftentimes either they thought that they were misunderstanding or um that there was just direct pushback and that they weren't going to do it but it, it's not like a i'm trans this is what it means this is what you need to do it's like don't call me that name that's not my name this is my name um don't use those pronouns uh so there was a, there was just a lot of fighting um but in a way it's like inadvertently coming out but there wasn't there wasn't me taking the time to explain it to them because i felt like i didn't owe them anything they don't explain to me who they are mm -hmm. they don't explain to me about their identity so why am i having to sit here and handhold you through something that's extremely traumatic for me i love that perspective uh, it's not it's not our uh, responsibility uh, i do love that um, so then 
what was your experience at first in trying to find community? Did you seek out others like you, trying to find other people that you could um, that you could you could speak to and a group that you could belong to? It was a lot harder. So I think when I was about thirteen, I had shared with a family member that um, you know that I was trans, and the message that was communicated back to me, and this is somebody who. Uh, is not trans, but is is um, is not heterosexual, and I don't want to share more than that because I really don't want to like call them out too much. But they basically communicated to you that gay people are finally getting their rights, and now trans people are coming in and screwing it all up because we're freaks. So that kind of deterred me from wanting to connect with others. Um, as I started to slowly get older and out of the conversion camps, um, I ended up meeting a really close friend that I'm still friends with to this day. Uh, who kind of took me in. She's, again, a cis woman who's a, uh, I'm not sure if she's queer or lesbian, um, but just uh, really showed me a different side of the community. And then so I kind of felt more comfortable with uh, the lesbian queer community. And again, not, not again at large, and we can't generalize at all. People are a certain way. Um, it was much harder in the trans community. I had moved to Olympia, Washington, so that I could get my name changed and start hormones. And the trans guy that I had met up there, first of all, denied being trans and just was really harmful. And there's embodied so much toxic masculinity. So again, that really scared me and like basically said, uh, don't tell people you're trans. Um, don't ask me questions about being trans, like just be a man and, and, and figure it out. So uh, a lot of those experiences really deterred me from the community. Of course, there were uh, like there was one person I met when I was 15, again, still friends with, uh, he's, he's older now, I think in his like later 60s, um, who really took trans men under his wing almost um, and just helped them navigate the systems and talk with their families. Uh, but to me, that was like, because he's an older person, then that means that uh, that's why he is so safe. But I don't think that there can be other people who are safe or younger, which is obviously not true. That's just kind of when you know, your, my 15-year-old my brain or my 18-year-old brain when all I'm experiencing is all this harm from others. Um, now, I, I don't, I, I'm starting to, to build um, a bit of a community. I, I had some and then, you know, COVID happened and things are shifting a lot. But it, it can be really hard because a lot of the time, especially in the trans community that I've consistently found, especially the binary trans community, there's so much lack of understanding of non-binary folks, so much toxic masculinity or like binary thinking of you have to be this way or else you're this or you're that. And then we also have to add the layers of people being white, people being neurotypical, people being able-bodied. And so um, it becomes more and more complex that the next thing you know, you're engaging with a cis trans person who is basically a white supremacist without knowing how much white supremacy that they're uplifting based on what they're regurgitating because that's what they've embodied in order to be seen as a, as a man, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like misogyny, uh, homophobia, all the different things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah or just that we absorb just from being in the society and, and, you know, you learn, you, you just, it's via osmosis that to be safe and to be accepted in, in society, you have to, you have to fulfill these roles and, and follow these rules. Yeah, and and, 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 bit, and with that, we have to think, who is educating trans people about our own bodies and our own lives? Cisgendered people are. So they're living their cishet, normal, right, safe life. 
where they're not experiencing the same level of uh, that we are. They're not experiencing what we're experiencing. And they're educating us on how to live that normal, safe life without ever recognizing the harm and damage that it's actually causing us. It's limiting us from being able to be who we are while we're trying to fit these molds that are not us. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, what, uh, what, uh, what was your relationship with therapy growing up? Did you, were you able to find anything that was, that was actually helpful to you or was it all that harmful conversion type treatment? It's really hard to say because when I reflect back on the places that I felt safer in, um, I can now with a different understanding of what's actually supportive and affirming, it was actually really harmful. It's like there was this place that I, I lived for well over maybe seven months or so that didn't make me use a different name. Um, however, you know, still kept me on the girl side uh, and everything. But they were focused more on helping me learn coping skills to regulate. But at the same time, they weren't supportive in terms of using my pronouns, like allowing me to exist as I am. Um, and then also treating me as being trans as part of a mental illness. So I can't recall really any therapy or therapist that, that truly were affirming in the way that is actually affirming for the times, right? Like if we look at the, 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 the culture, it, they would have been the most affirming that was accessible, but that doesn't mean that it was actually affirming. Mm-hmm. Um, even now, it's incredibly difficult to find affirming therapists out there. Um, they're so, you, you go to psychology.com and you, you click trans affirming therapists, you'll get thousands of therapists. But when you actually, because I engage with thousands and thousands, I provide education on, the, um, on trans affirming care. And all, most of the people who mark that they're trans affirming are extremely problematic. So an example is here in San Diego, there's a, there was a group called uh, Trans and Non-Binary Affirming Therapist Network Group or something like that that was run by cis people that literally kicked me out for calling them out on their transphobic language. Um, so uh, these trans organizations, even like WPATH is typically binary trans, mostly cis run, the people dictating uh, our care and our bodies are all cis people. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, um, there's just so, so many problems in our society. Like I said, I, we talked in the, the pre-interview, the, the, the terms that are problematic that I, I still use and identify with. Um, and the, the, the things that, like you said, we're, we're just regurgitating that were so deeply ingrained and you get to this point of, of wanting to help other trans folks and, and be open and all of that and, and have the right mindset. And yet you can still use harmful language unintentionally. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you want that to open up for me to share a couple of the terms. Uh, th- yeah, that would be great. And, and just kind of like your, your perspective on it, on, on, um, you know, kind of where we are currently in society and where we need to go with, with our language. So there's three terms that come to mind and I actually have readily available the links and I can put them in the chat because I think it would go out to the, to everybody, right? Or does it just go to you? Um, oh, um, the chat in uh, OBS Ninja? Yeah. Um, no, but that's the perfect thing because um, you wouldn't be able to post a link in, in the Twitch chat anyway. Oh. It's pretty locked down. Okay. So yeah, go ahead and put it in there and I'll bring it over to here. Okay, so I'm going to send you over to, so these are two different articles that I wrote because Sometimes when we when I share stuff, it's 
not everybody can retain everything and not just when I share stuff, like just in general. Mm -hmm. um, so the two terms that, the three terms that I wanna talk about are first, so often do we ourselves or other people use the term transition when um, communicating about us just existing and affirming ourselves. So what's really problematic about the term transition, so if we think about what it means, it means going from one state to another. So if I'm living and then I'm dead, I transition from a living state to a dead state versus I'm not transitioning from being a woman to non-binary or I didn't transition from being a woman to a man to non-binary. I have always been non-binary. It's the world that has not read me for who I am. Nothing about me changed. Maybe the way that the world read me, but if we look at a cis person who might get a nose job and breast implants, right? They didn't transition. They just engaged in surgeries that was affirming to themselves. Mm -hmm. um, the couple other terms is identify as so many times. What do you identify as, right? Like that's so problematic because it's like, what do I want to choose today? Oh, I choose this versus like my identity is. My identity is trans. My identity is non-binary. My identity is queer. These are things that I don't get to change. This is who I am. It might change over time as we learn more about ourselves, but it's not because we're picking and choosing. We're exploring who we are. Things shift and we find language that's more affirming to ourselves, but it's not like a choice. It's just an exploration. Um, and then finally, the last term is the term transgender. Right. If somebody tells me they're transgender and that's their identity, I 100 percent respect that. I'm not saying that people can't hold that identity, but it's it's also similar to transition. Right. Like it's communicating that you're going from one gender to another. When, again, we've always been who we are. It's the world that is not reading us for who we are. And in that reading of how the world reads us. Right. Like if somebody looks at me and says, oh, you're male because you have a beard, because you have deep voice, because you have hair on your body. Right. That's a trans phobic understanding of of me right because you're basing that men have beards and men have uh, deep voices and men have body hair. but there are many cis women who have beards who have deep voices who have body hair right so there's not one way to be man a man or a woman or non-binary it's how we then how the society has constructed what male female means and then we're just aligning what society has dictated to us and if we look at who's come up with these it's going to be cisgendered, white, able-bodied, heterosexual, neurotypical, often males. So by default, um, every time that we're reading somebody based on what we think of who they are versus what they've shared with us, we're uplifting these problematic understandings. So um, that's why I use the term trans versus transgender. I'm not going from one gender to another. I've always been who I am. It's the world that hasn't read me for who I'm not. I also hold that, let's say that you shared with me that your identity is transgender. I will always respect that and not tell you that you're wrong. That's a really beautiful explanation. And I, I really appreciate you giving me those links to put in there. Like, I, I just, I love that, that depth of perception on that. I, you know, and it, it's funny because it, it, it comes down to, it can come down to a difference in, in reading the, the term itself. Like I, I identify it as, you know, trans, just being across uh, gender, not necessarily cross gender. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's really interesting to hear that. And I love uh, the affirmation that trans is a more accepted and a more accepting term for all of those that fall under the umbrella. I also, um, you know, I was looking at 
uh, I was looking for a video to, to promote the show tonight and I uh, came across a webinar you had done and I noticed in the uh, trans umbrella that you showed, you know, all of the identities that, that fall under that, um, uh, there was, there was a different, a different way of looking at it than, um, um, than, you know, just specifically identities, and it was more about the the various genders and, and gender. Um, um, I, I guess I don't know. I don't have another term for for identity, but um, identities. Mm -hmm. um, but it was it was just, I, I, I'm losing my the, my the clarity on the differentiation now that I'm not I don't have the two lists in front of me. But um, maybe that's something that I'll circle back around with you personally and just kind of talk about those two things and, and get a, a clearer perspective on where you come from on on those different terms uh, well okay. i think i think we're talking about the same thing so it's this like umbrella that i made with different like trans kind of flags on like just a few colors on it and then just a ton of lists of different identities whether it was like gender fuck fluid trans non-binary right like all these different lists mm -hmm. and and i and i show that to show people that there are so many different identities out there, like not all of them are even listed on there. And I think there's like 50 on there. Like that's just a small fraction of how many are on there to show people that just because you haven't heard of it or unaware of it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And I also intensely don't go through each and share what they mean because all of our identities are unique to ourselves. So if you think about it, if we ask a hundred cis women, what does it mean to be a woman? You're gonna get a hundred different answers because our identities are unique to ourselves. So how is our community going to be any different? Are we supposed to be a monolith and a copy paste that every trans woman, non-binary person and trans man have to have the exact same definition as to what their identity means to them? Is that, is that the, what you were referring to? Yeah, no, and, that, and that's perfect. And thank you for, for clarifying, clarifying that. Um, so, <laughs> you know, you brought up the, the, the problem with, with the term transition. And I like, I've been liking to ask the question of like, what does, um, does transition look like for you? Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to change that and, and hopefully find a way to apply it to you. Um, what are the, what is the key focus of your journey from being, uh, being brought up as in a, in a, in a you know, female context to finding your own identity and owning that what has that journey been like for you what are the, the, the what's the core of that again all i can think of is is fight that's all it's been it's <laughs> been a non-stop fight it's exhausting and it's been a fight and it's oftentimes been a fight that i don't even get the space to explore what is it that i want so when i was 18 the Benjamin standard of care is what was was utilized so that in order for you to have surgery, you needed to live as the opposite gender for a year, be in therapy for a year and be on hormones for a year. I never wanted to be on therapy. Uh, well, I didn't want therapy, but I mean, I never wanted to be on hormones. So I felt forced into taking something that I didn't want in order to gain access to what I wanted, which was chest surgery. Wow. I also then um, had some some medical stuff that came up, which then led to having a hysterectomy which with a hysterectomy, you have to be on some type of hormones. And so at the time with my internalized transphobia that we all have, I knew that I didn't want to be on estrogen because I didn't want to be read as female. Um, and my only other option my, that I thought was being read as male. So I feel, I feel like there's so much exhaustive fight to be who I am when all I want 
is to just be who I am and be read for who I am. So I go, I have a lot of dysphoria. There are times where I really love having a beard and having facial hair and having body hair. And then there's times when I look in the mirror and all I see is somebody who is read as male looking back at me, meaning, meaning I don't get to be seen for, for who I really am. And I hate that and wish that I could just, because sh shaving doesn't take it off. Like I shaved my neck today right before and you could still see the five o'clock shadow or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So shaving or not shaving, it's still going to be apparent that there was a beard there. And again, our world views that that beard there must mean that I'm male. And so uh, that's why often I wish like I didn't start hormones because then there wouldn't be that, that reading one way or another. But then again, that's my own internalized transphobia that I need to look a certain way in order to be read as non-binary. And at the end of the day, with or without a beard, I'm not going to be read as non-binary because our world is so binary that they're only going to see male or female or what the fuck are you, but they're not going to see anything outside of that. That's such an important point to bring up about our, our non-binary siblings and, and this, that struggle that they go through. You know, um, we talk a lot as binary trans folks of you know uh, dysphoria and issues with waking up and and seeing the wrong thing in the mirror and and just kind of uh, feeling that incongruity but when there is no identity there is no outward appearance that is um that that is read as non-binary um it it just becomes incredibly problematic because how do you how as a non-binary person do you ever <laughs> look in the mirror and see yourself and see the 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 right um the right thing looking back other than to just um eschew it all entirely i guess yeah it's it's hard because when i want to wear makeup or if i want to wear a dress or a skirt and i look in the mirror all i see and all i feel is terror of who is going to kill me because of this um when i paint my nails i think who is going to kill me because of this and it's terrifying to exist in a world that just being wearing existing as something that's affirming to you could ultimately lead to your name being on that list of our trans siblings who are violently taken from us every single day there that that list that we have that the hrc has is only the reported ones and there are many states that it's that they legally, uh, they've made laws where they can't, that it's not considered a hate crime. Mm -hmm. So, and if we look at the world at large, it's like, I think it's like multiple trans people are murdered every single day. Um, and again, literally just for existing. And so yeah. um, I know that that's kind of detracts from what you were asking, that there's there's nothing that, you know, we can wear or do to look in the mirror and see, oh yeah, I look really non-binary today. Um, because for me, there's not even that space because that space is taken up by pure panic and fear and self-hatred that I immediately wipe it off, rip it off, um, take the nail polish off, whatever it might be, unless I know that I'm going to have somebody with me the entirety of the time that I know that nobody's going to mess with. But even with that, that terror in my heart of what if I've now endangered the life of somebody I love. Yeah, I understand that completely. I had a very similar fear in um, one of the first times I went in and met with some trans folks in, in real life. Um, you know, I, I just had it in, in my head. My vision, my perception of them is that they are that they pass as cis cis folks. And so my fear was, am I going to be the one that gets the rest of the group, the group clocked and then puts us all in danger? 
Um, so yeah, that's a that's a very common thing, and it's 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 just so disheartening to hear so much of your story where like where you were kind of forced by circumstances into having having the beard, having a very masculine presentation, so that now um, those times when you have that space and that that need to express um, either either a more feminine look or um, a feminine identity or just what is stereotypically in society deemed feminine, um, you're blocked from that because of that lack of safety. It's just, it's really disheartening. And I'm sorry for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry for you. And I'm sorry for everybody else who has to experience that. Like we, we have this fear and this terror and we live in a country that is a hell of a lot more accepting than a lot of other places where there isn't even the option to to even have a show like this and so it's 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 really overwhelming when we think about our lives the people we know the people in our cities and our states and our countries and then looking even beyond that so i feel extremely limited and i am beyond fortunate to have uh the ability to do a lot more than many others and it doesn't make it oh you should just be grateful and happy for what you get it's like no i'm gonna fight i'm gonna fight and continue pushing more so that maybe I don't think my 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 family's kids like my my siblings kids uh, will experience the world I'm trying to create but I think maybe if maybe three or four or more generations that maybe maybe but whether or not they do it it's not going to stop me from fighting because maybe there's one trans or non-binary person or two-spirited person or, or somebody who is not cis that I can create a little bit of a safer space that they didn't have elsewhere yeah yeah. And even if we can create it just for the time that we're, you know, like on this show where we're live here or, you know, giving a talk or that, that kind of thing, even if, if we can provide it just in that, that limited space, um, I, I think it does help. One of my questions is typically, you know, um, how have your goals shifted along your journey? And I find it kind of interesting that, you know, in your story, your journey has shifted away from your goals and at many points. Um, is there anything more that you'd like to expand on about that kind of idea? So I think about this a lot because I don't like what I do. I don't like being an advocate. I don't like to be an activist. I don't like to fight people. I don't like, I don't want to be a therapist. I don't want to do all the things that I do, but I do them because I, I know the different holes that exist and I'm trying to, to, to find ways to create accessible ways to get around them. Um, so my dreams and my hopes for myself were taken. I had hoped to maybe be an architect or an artist or a lawyer. I don't know if I would have followed through with being a lawyer, but all of my creative side that, 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 that makes me feel so alive, I don't have access to, I don't get to do it. Um, because the sole focus is constantly working towards creating these safer spaces and more accessible spaces for our community. So I feel like my identity has become my life uh, and taken me down all the paths that I had gone down um, because of the world that I want to leave behind, but not because what I actually um, am passionate about outside of other people, if that makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> So essentially, you've, you've kind of led into the next question beautifully. Um, 
you you talk about the things that you've sort of been forced into because of your transition. Is there anything that you feel um, feel proud or, or maybe empowered that you've um, been able to to accomplish because of your transition? There's there's a lot of changes that I've been able to create, which um, I'm excited of the impact that it's had. So first off, uh, I don't know, maybe a year or two ago, I was fighting hundreds of therapists a day um, about writing letters for clients after only one session because they want clients to come multiple sessions for a year. And I got tired. I got tired of fighting them. So I decided to make a list and I made a list of providers in California who will write these letters after one session. I then started to expand that and started to reach out to every single state. Um, I had so much pushback of people saying it's out of my scope of practice or competence. So it's not out of their scope of practice as a therapist. It's out of their scope of competence, meaning that they don't have the skills to do it. So what I did was I last minute threw together a workshop, did a training that I recorded that I now have available to any therapist. So when they say it's out of my scope of competence, I say, great. Take my training, it has the informed consent, it has a recorded training, and it has the letter that all you have to do is change the information for you and your client. So then they said, well, I can't afford that. Okay, you don't have to. I will make it free for you. So there's there's essentially three prices to it. It's either $100, it's pay what you can, or can't pay anything, agree to give at least one free letter to a trans or non-binary person. So this way, somebody in our community is going to benefit from us. That list now has at least one if not up to like 90 providers in every single state. So some states I could only find like one or two. California, I think we have like 90 or something like that in there. And the, the rule with this is, is that they have to provide a letter after one session for hormones, for surgery, for anything. Because what therapists don't realize is that we're only supposed to assess somebody's, uh, if somebody is sane enough to make decisions for themselves. That's it. And what therapists have been doing is assessing if somebody is transient. It's like, how are you as a cis person to assess if somebody is trans? Um, even as a trans person or a non-binary person, I can't assess your transness or non-binaryness because your identity is unique to you. Your journey is unique to you. I can't base it off of what I've been through. That's, that's, that's incredibly harmful and toxic. So I feel, I don't like the word proud, but I feel very excited that this might be helping people. I know for myself, I've written over a hundred letters. Um, and just hearing that shift from when they call in panicking, um, it's like a lot of the times people are saying what I think they want me to hear versus like, I assure them this letter is going to be written. Like, let's just meet like, and then from the moment that we're hanging up and the excitement and oftentimes I've gotten letters, emails, social media stuff, like they approved the letter, I'm getting the surgery, blah, 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 date. And so that's really exciting to know that somebody gets to do what they want with their own body because a cis person wants breast implants, wants a penis enlargement, wants butt implants, whatever they want. They just go in and they get it. There's no assessment if the person is of sane of mind, if they really are needing to have that. So we deserve the same rights with our own bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I have that link. I can also uh, share that um, in the in the chat box too, if you would Wonderful. like. Yeah, I'll pass it on to everybody as well. So what I do suggest is open it with a Google document, and what will happen is at the bottom you'll see tabs. The first one is the About tab, 
So either A, if therapists want the training, or B, if you come across a therapist on that list that isn't obliging by this, let me know because um, that's not tolerated. I've never had anybody reach out to let me know that. But then all the other ones, you click the state you're in. I don't list the cities because we can do virtual teletherapy. So you can be hundreds of miles away as long as you're in the same state. Mm. You can get the letter from the person. Well, that is amazing work. That is so beautiful that you've been able to put that together and and offer that. Um, it's very disheartening to hear that there are like 90 of those therapists in California and as few as one or two in some states. I really feel for our, our brothers and sisters and non-binary um, siblings that are out there that are... are that have that few of resources it's it's really disheartening and, and honestly like again it came out of exhaustion of fighting like yeah. there's this organization called the gallup pledge g-a-l-a-p and i've written them multiple times saying you know i've had a lot of clients come to me after finding a therapist on there because i'm also on there and that therapist wanted them to go to multiple sessions wanted them to help themselves to their family like wanted to do things that were really harmful um in order to get a letter and they didn't want to make any type of changes to to kind of vet the mental health therapist more um or to like make it so it's only one session and so i like oftentimes people always say oh have you heard of the gallop and it's like traumatizing to me not trauma it's like incredibly painful to hear because it's like yeah i do know and i fought and i fought and i fought and i've like tried to collaborate and it went nowhere and that's why i've created this list it sounds very similar because it is but the differentiation is one session that's it no more than one session the gallop does not ask therapists to do it in one session mm. even wpath uh, i believe wants you to have more than one session and that's like the world um that that dictates how trans people should be treated at at, at a global level mm -hmm. So do you have a favorite thing that you've learned throughout your journey? That I only know what I know. I don't know what I don't know. And I will always work hard to have the willingness to learn to do and be better. Um, I will always hold privileges in many different ways that will prevent me from being aware of the harm that I'm causing. And I hope that I can continue to cultivate tools to be able to address these harms so that I can do and be better for people in our community and outside of our community. You have such a wonderful perspective in in reaction to the perspective that you've had to fight with your whole life. It's 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 really beautiful to hear. As we wrap up this section, um, head into our break and then into your audience questions, comments, and anything else, and talking more about Van's experience with um, you know, as being a therapist and in putting together the documentary, the book, and now the conference. Um, so the last question that I have in this section, what advice do you have for younger closeted trans folks out there? That's such a, that's such a big thing because there's so many, like trust <laughs> yourself, trust that you know who you are and if it's not safe to be who you are, it doesn't mean that you not you're not who you are. You need to do what you need to do to survive and to get to spaces um, that are safe enough for you, and that's not always available, right? That that means access to transportation, to money, all the different things, and a lot of people don't have that. And so, 
I think it's really important that if you can to try to find different ways to exist in spaces that are affirming, whether it's virtually, whether it's a fantasy place in your head, whether it's a journal or a book or a movie, um, but finding something that can feel affirming to you and not and, and finding different ways to combat those people in your life. And I don't mean verbally because that could put a lot of people in dangerous situations. But even if you're just having that fight that you wish that you could have in your head, um, because at the end of the day, if we're not alive, then nothing else matters. Well, I appreciate that that sentiment there, the idea of giving yourself the space. If, you, if you're not able to have it in physical space or with the people that you're currently around, the situation you're in, taking that mental time to give yourself the space and to have trust in your identity, even though you're not able to fully express it. I think that's, that's again, a very beautiful sentiment. Um, in closing here, Van Ethan Levy, thank you so much for coming on, sharing so much of your story, being so candid, for sharing the different viewpoints, and for providing so much for the community. We really appreciate it. And sushi. The dog. Oh, and sushi. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I so appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Transgender Show from The Transverse Network. Watch this show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash The Transverse and later on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash The Transverse. Be sure to check out vanethanlevy.com for links to Van Ethan's therapy resources. If you love what we're doing and want to help support The Transverse and get access to exclusive content, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash The Transverse.